We've got a lengthy scripture today, but thank goodness it's one of my favorites, so I'm familiar with it. So um, follow along in your bulletins, please. It's from Ezekiel 36 and into 37. Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and will cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. And I will deliver you from all your uncleannesses. And I will summon the grain and make it abundant and lay no famine before you. I will make the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field abundant, that you may never again suffer the disgrace of famine among the nations." Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and your abominations. It is not for your sake that I will act, declares the Lord God. Let that be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your ways, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, on the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited and the waste places to be rebuilt. And the land that was desolate shall be tilled instead of being the desolation that it was in the sight of all who passed by. And they will say, this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. And the waste and desolate and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations that are left all all around you shall know that I am the Lord. I have rebuilt the ruined places and replanted that which was desolate. I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it. Thus says the Lord God, This also I will let the house of Israel ask me to do for them, to increase their people like a flock, like the flock for sacrifices, like the flock at Jerusalem during her appointed feast. So shall the waste cities be filled with flocks of people. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God in these bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, 
and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. And then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you, And you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. Praise be to God. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the senior pastor at Christ Central Church once again. And um, after just reading that, I don't really have to say much. That Ezekiel passage preaches itself. We're actually going to concentrate more on chapter 36 than 37. Today and next, I mean, more on 36 and 37, but today and next week we will focus on redemption of creation in our Christ Central Church vision series. Um, Redemption of creation is a fancy way, we like the wordsmith stuff and kind of make it sound cool, but it's a fancy way of talking about outreach and mission. What and how we believers and believe members of Christ Central Church are called to impact and engage and love and bring restoration to this world, to our neighborhoods, to our communities. The scripture we read today and was read today was written back in the 6th century B.C. And as you may have picked up um, from it, um, God spoke to the prophet Ezekiel in vivid and sprawling and awesome analogous visions of how God was going to take care to deliver and bring glory back to his people. To a people who had been taken into exile, not just because of the world's evil and greed and and prejudice, but because God's so-called people had decided that living with God and for God was not as much fun as what it looked like the other nations were doing. Like the fun Babylon was having. So what we read is God gave them a one-way invitation to Babylon so that they would recognize that a pagan national party like Babylon, Israelites don't get to dance. They serve the drinks and set up the chairs and drive Miss Daisy home. But God was not done with his people. On the contrary, he was at work in his people. The 70 years of so-called exile was the way God would get through the hard heads and hard hearts of his people 
to prepare them to act like they got some sense when they eventually get back home. And in chapter 36, after explaining how God would restore and return His people to bring restoration to their motherland, in chapter 37, the Lord leads dreamy Ezekiel out to a valley. But this was no ordinary valley. This was a valley of death, a battlefield, uh, and, and from the vision, the bones are, are sitting on top of the soil. No one has cared to give them a proper burial. They have been forgotten, and so much ignorant time has passed by that the Bible described these bones as dry. No skin, nothing. And God asked Ezekiel a question. Ezekiel, can these bones live? Emphasis on these bones. These. Because it made Ezekiel think these bones. You, you mean the dry ones, the forgotten ones, the desolated ones. Not just some ordinary bones, but, but these bones that are here because of judgment that should and deserve to be here. You mean these bones, the ones of, of people who have disobeyed you and, and turned their back on you, these bones, Lord, the ones that probably stood in defiance to you and, and failed to bend a bony knee to you, these bones. And Ezekiel's answer to the Lord of life and the Lord, the judge that has allowed this calamity to come upon his people because of their hard-headedness and hardness is therefore only you know, Lord. In other words, only you have the power and the right and the justice and the mercy to make these bones live as if any bones could really live. But if any can live, especially these that deserve the judgment that they got, only you can And he asked Ezekiel to speak to the bones, to to prophesy to the bones, to speak God's truth to them, to to preach to the bones. So he speaks to the bones. And the bones start coming together. Like that skit on Sesame Street. Okay, maybe that was an electric company. And the bones start dancing around and the hip bone connected to the thigh bone and the thigh bone connected to the knee bone. You get it. And then these skeletons get skin and bones, right? And life comes back to these bones. And just when it looked like if, as if it were done, God decides to make more than a puppet of bones. He gives them new life and a new heart and a new spirit and a new will and a new desire. God has made his point to Ezekiel and to his people and now to us. The dry bones, the desolate lands, is what their past had brought them. This was a result of a place that became idolatrous and haughty and jealous of what others had. This was a place that collapsed under its arrogant pride against their Savior, God. But God was going to make a restored people who would now be made alive and new Who would be about restoration? This is a prophetic message of of direction, of vision, of empowerment, and hope for this age. In our age, right here in Charlotte, through and for this church and and other cities, for other churches, we are called by the word, by, by the transforming gospel to be revolutionary, revived, and restored by God to bring restoration. Restoration to 
a place to a place. When I say place, I mean city to its structures, its neighborhoods, its businesses, its history, its busyness, its desolation and emptiness, its, its mess, its institutions. Look at chapter 36 and verse 24, if you will, and then verse 33. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all countries and bring you into your own land. And then in verse 33, thus says the Lord God, on the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited and the waste places shall be rebuilt. God's people are, are scattered and God is calling them or, or rather will call them and, and bring them back to a place. And all that comes with that place, right? It's sordid history, it's brokenness, it's, it's barrenness, it's ruin, it's isolations, it's sufferings, it's disunity or lack of form. And you and I now have been called to go and be there in this place and to the places we are. Some of you have gone to the banks, the, the neighborhoods that are fragile, to the notas, which is Spanish according to Cindy, and it means not enough. To this place, to the broke down, rat infested, used to be a brothel, triple X theater, neighborhood theater that we worship in, but, but also to the Matthews, nothing but country not so long ago. Some of y'all in here started the church and community that started the church and community that started our church and community out of Matthews. To the Midwoods and to the Stonehavens and the university areas and the Commonwealths and the Cotswolds and to Charlotte and all the people, places and things associated with them, their industries, their philanthropies, their civic structures to their professions, to be something in the place about the place, to, to cheer for the local team no matter how badly they're losing and associate yourself with NASCAR, you know. And, and when we look at how the landscape will change, we realize that when God calls a people to a place, he calls them to every place within that place, right? From the outhouse to the penthouse. From B of A to Wendy's. That was bad. <laughs> Think about it this way. God has called us here in Charlotte as a place, not because of something you have done, not because Pastor Brown has put the master plan in place. No, because this is the master's plan. God has called and is be, it's being fulfilled prophetically that the people of God would be about and in, with and on a place. So what that means is that the job you have, the neighborhood you're in, the church community or the civic communities or the commitment to be at home with your kids or that job that makes you put a tie on or a pin with your name on it, whether you are saying, may I take your order or giving the orders, whether you're taking a course in school or college or out on the course trying to make a deal, the place and your place in the place is a calling. Because some of you are just existing without knowing and, and just working nine to five, just trying to make a living and moving and selling and buying without clarity on what your position as those people of God who used to be the dry bones, who now live what that calling actually means. Now, in our denomination, if you have no, you can't have an ordination if you don't have a call. So they're not going to just ordain you just to be out there with no church to go to. Let me be careful and not so careful here. I like doing that. Gets me in trouble. Look at all the elders. Oh, here we go. God has ordained you. 
to be who you are, where you are. God put you there. He gave you entry there, wherever there is. He, as verse 24 says, took you or brought you there to be who you are and where you are to be in the place that you are. How did R.E.M. put it? Stand in the place where you live, right here, there, where you live, work and play. One of the reasons we came up with the parish idea is for you to really consider that, okay, you don't live near the church, you don't live in 2805, you don't live in a cool Noda or Midwood or the the city area, you don't live next to a gallery. You don't live in the place, you know how you come to church and you bring your friends, look at this place, this used to be a brothel, this used to be this, look at the galleries over there, this is a cool place to go to church. It's like Epcot Center up in this bad boy. You come out here, you're on like a, like a church safari trip. Some of y'all who live way out, y'all be like, we're going to go downtown to church. Come on, guys. Just as, it, it, it's just, let me explain this. It is just as much a circus and craziness out on the outskirts as it is on the inside. We just know how to separate it by, separate it by, you know, three quarters of an acre or something like that, or one quarter of an acre lot with a nice wooden fence between each other. Parishes are designed so that wherever you live, that is a place worthy of being called to, and you are a person ordained to live there. We need to stop thinking that somehow it was our decision to end up where you are. God is sovereign. Y'all know what that means? That means he does what he wants to do, and then sometimes you think you're doing it, then when you get clarity of mind and heart, when you get there, you're like, look what God did. Live regionally every week. Go for it. You don't have to be an elder to lead something in your community to make something happen. You do it and see it be in the place for the place. You know, people say, what does Christ Center Church do? I like that. My answer is craziness. Like, what, what do y'all do? I told a lady the other day, we do everything and nothing. What's that mean? We don't have a lot of programs. So, like, And and I like using this term. No, we don't wear matching shirts. Where everybody can go, we're doing it. With our name on the back with a fluorescent shirt. Oh, there's Christ Central helping out with that. Boop, put it on the news. We don't do that. You don't know us. Some of y'all probably dressed like clowns at that racial march yesterday. Somebody asked me, hey, can Christ Central back that march, you know, the neo-Nazi march, and we can dress like clowns? I'm like, nuh uh the church ain't backing up, but a group of y'all going out there and do it. And I was watching the news yesterday, and they're panning the crowd. I'm like, I know I'm going to see a Christ Central person through the clown makeup somewhere. We're everywhere. I hope you go to the place and be in the place that God's called you to be. If you don't know where that is, let's talk about it. Call an elder. Hey, what am I supposed to be doing? I'm just working. I'm just mowing my lawn every day. You know, maybe it's like that show with that where a man talks to the fence. Maybe your job is just talking to the dude across the fence whose face you never see. 
Maybe your job is actually getting over the fence and seeing his face, right? Wilson. Remember Wilson? You never saw Wilson's face. Maybe your calling is to see Wilson's face, Wilson's wife, Wilson's children, Wilson's dog, because Wilson got some problems if he never shows his face. But also this. God makes it real clear that the jobs and homes and communities and positions and time and space you occupy or find yourself in is not just, or more so so according to what the Scripture implies, not at all about you and your plan. Look at verse 32 as he talks about the people and the place that God is calling, and then again at verse 36. Look at verse 32 with me. It is not for your sake that I will act, declares the Lord God. Let that be known to you. In other words, let me make it real clear. Be ashamed and confounded for your ways, O house of Israel. And then verse 36. Then the nations that are left all around shall know that I am the Lord. I have rebuilt the ruined places and replanted that which is desolate. I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it. Any questions about who this is about? Any questions about what outreach is about? Any question about the mortgage you're paying in the house you live in is about? Any question about what your job is about? Any questions about the soccer league you're in is about? Any question about the friendships and families that God has placed you in, in in the clubs and communities? Any questions about that are answered right here. I, the Lord, have put you there to get glory out of my name, for my name out of your life. The subject of these sentences is the work of the Lord himself, but definitely by the hands and work of the people God is calling to bring restoration to this place, to our place, for his glory, which just happens to be good for the place and the people of the place. Look at what God is going to in calling us to participate in in it, though. Look at verse 33. Thus says the Lord God, verse, sorry, chapter 36, verse 33. Thus says the Lord God, on the day that I will cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited, and the waste places shall be rebuilt, and the land that was desolate shall be tilled, instead of there being des- the desolation that it, was, that it was in the sight of all who passed by. Sorry. And they will say this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden. And the waste and desolate ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations that are left or all around you shall know that I am the Lord. I have rebuilt the ruined places and replanted that which was desolate. I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it. He is calling us. This church, its people, to be used by him to make the place productive again. To produce righteous things again. Or for the first time. So as the Bible says here, make it a garden of Eden to restore the place with beauty and ingenuity and occupation and ethic to bring life to where there was none, to go where it is ruined and unfriendly and inhumane and desolate and laid waste and fortify and rebuild and raise and bring new families and generations to it to restore it. I've seen the work of restoration from you guys. 
I've seen the experience how some of you go into certain neighborhoods. Let me be careful what I say about certain neighborhoods. Because it's easy in our mind, especially in our circles, PCA and all of that kind of stuff, where our socioeconomic level is typically pretty high. Any neighborhood. I don't care what the mortgage is. I don't care what the people report on their tax forms. God may be calling to the richest neighborhood in Charlotte. You may be able to afford to live there. You need to live there, stay there, and make a difference. Don't let the clean veneer fool you. It is a desolate place. So when it talks about desolate and ruined places, it's easy for us to go kind of to the, oh, well then that means we have to go to this neighborhood. Now don't get me wrong. If you forget our messed up poor neighborhoods, God won't be happy. But don't fool yourself into thinking desolation and ruin is only about poor people or black people or Mexican people. Desolation and ruin is common to human beings. So now when we read this about the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Eden need to come to Myers Park too. Because it ain't the Garden of Eden, even though the lawns are pretty manicured. Don't get it confused. Garden of Eden is way better than that. Okay. We go into certain neighborhoods, forgotten and desolate places, and fix things up and bring light to the corner. Literally. And some of you have gotten stop signs and speed bumps put in. I've heard how many of you have been retained to keep working in the banking industry. And literally, you are part of restoring, rebuilding fidelity and strength to the financial industry, which has been a real mess. To work in a school district in shambles, need I say more? I've seen how some of you have brought color to a canvas or shape to nothing to make art and music out of what can't on its own. Even in this church, 17th and 18th century hymns left behind by the modern movements in church have been brought back to life by our musicians. Y'all care about old stuff. I know I do. I like those antique roadshow stuff. I'm always looking for a deal. It's terrible. I, I don't need cash in a thrift store. It's a poor thing for me. Cash, a thrift store, or a, a, a yard sale, I'm always looking for that, you know, unique piece of antique. And I'm going to act like the people on the road show, too. Well, you know, I got this for $5 at a yard sale. I don't know what it's painting. But this is actually Van Gogh's first copy. <laughs> now, it would be worth more, but there's a little rip in the corner here. If you're getting insurance, I'm going to sell the thing. But if you're going to get it insured... I would insure it for somewhere around $2 million. And I'm going to act just like the people on that show. Thank you, sir. <laughs> we like old stuff. Forgotten communities, though. And overlooked people. And abused things. And abused industries. And abused animals, man. Y'all have given me a new language. Happy chicken. Are you eating happy chickens? The chicken's job is to make me happy. Ask me if I'm happy eating a fried thigh with that crust and that fat on it. Yes. But y'all are saying the reason that chicken got the fat is it's not happy. Is it a happy cow? 
Does it give milk and beef? I don't know. But you guys have brought a new thing that needs to be brought. Some of you are green. But also brown, black, yellow, red, and white. By command and observation, let me say, where there is not art, you bring arts. Where there is no dignity, you bring dignity. Where there isn't diversity, some of you adopt an ad hoc sum at diversity. Where there is pain, you provide anesthesia. Where it is suburban and cut off, you bring connection and community and realness and relationships. Where it is rich and tight and high, bring freedom and peace and love. And God once again makes it clear about what his restoration means and what it is designed to do. Look with me at verse 30 through 32. I will make the fruit of the tree and it increases the field abundant that you may never again suffer the disgrace of famine among the nations. Then you remember your evil ways, your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and your abominations. It is not for your sake that I will act, declares the Lord. Let that be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your ways, O house of Israel. Then verse 36, then the nations that are left all around you shall know that I am the Lord. I have rebuilt the ruined places and replanted that which was desolate. I am the Lord, I have spoken, I will do it. Thus says the Lord God, this also I will let the house of Israel ask me to do for them, to increase their people like a flock, like, like, like the flock for sacrifices, like the flock at Jerusalem during her appointed feasts, so that the waste places will be filled with flocks of people. Then they will know that I am the Lord. And it is saying this. God has called you and me to be restorers, to dig and plant and till in the community and then also in people's lives and paint and construct and even knock down some stuff to make it safe and clear and efficient and beautiful. But how can I put it? Reverse the effects of the fall to counter the effect that, that sin and desolation of ignorance and greed and fear has had on people in a place to bring revolution and revitalization and hope again to stop to places, to institutions, to professions, to academia. We are called to the restoration, get and give people, you and me included, entry into discussion and community and redemption to talk and be informed about what God really emphasizes here, to be made conscious of and, and convicted about injustices, law-breaking, to have slumlords and execs to be convicted, and it might be us, to be challenged in our lack of mercy and justice, to bring to light the sins of our fathers that brought separation and built the railroad tracks that divide us and keep hatred between us, to, as verse 30 says, to let restoration dig up what has been covered over but was responsible, responsible for splitting and destroying a city and a people in this place. I talked about Linda's film that she produced, The Line, Film on Poverty. It's exactly what we're talking about. Yes, Linda was a producer, but Julie Goff, did the event coordination at the theater and asked people to be on a panel and then asked me to moderate. And even John Wells' hip-hop group Cross Movement used as the closing credit music. Then Dee came back and then did an online Google interview of Linda on it. One example, just one, of many going here at Christ Central, of people just digging in just seeing a mound of mess and putting their hands and lives and, and, and professions and time right in the middle of it. Think about Kelly. 
in the school of the arts, serving underserved, underserved youth, at risk homeless and, and sexual predations and, and being sucked dry by indifference and fertility. Some of you went over there and preached and shared the gospel. And those kids remember that. I mean, they sit in there, man, during devotion time, and the eyes are riveted. Like, who are these people coming during the school of the arts to talk about Jesus? Who are these folk? They care about us? We're not forgotten? Who are these people who came to the performance? You mean I get up and I perform and people clap? I mean something? Some of these kids don't have a place to live. And you gave them dignity. Some of you came over and ate lunch. Some of you brought lunch. Some of you hung out afterwards and said, hey, good job, kid. And and you entered into their lives, and those children didn't forget that. Some have come to church. Some have entered. Colin Kelly, I got to sit down and talk to you. This is what's going on in my life. This is what's going on in our world. What should we be doing then in part? Clearing the way of injustice and desolation and junk and sin and uncleanliness and ungodliness and affordable and viable veneers and cover-ups of granite, stainless steel and brick so that people can be seen and loved and find dignity, but most importantly, so as God emphasized here, that they may see their God and find life. It is only because God's people have been called to restore by God themselves that this can happen. I mean, look at the context of of all this good stuff God will do through people. Look with me at verse 24. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and, and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness. And from all your idols I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And, 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 and I will put my spirit within you. And because you will walk and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules, you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. And you shall be my people. And I will be your God. And then, of course, we have the valley of dry bones. Those bones are the bones of God's people who were once at war with them. Or in the world alone without him and lost and suffered death and irrelevance and impotence and destruction who are dirty and need to be cleansed and who need a new heart. And now, but now, for God's glory, his grace, his mercy, his redemption has come and overcome their indicting and condemning stories. Hear this now. God will and has restored his people. He has, hear this, restoried them. Did you hear that? He has restoried them, set them on a new historical trajectory because now they have a heart of flesh and God's spirit at work in them. These bones brought to life, these people returning home who are sprinkled with water and giving a new heart are you and me, the people of God who's been called to to testify as, as those who were once dry bones who talk about what Jesus has done to friends and neighbors and people whom we meet in the valley of the world's dry bones. With that in mind, let me warn you, restorers are not the same thing as gentrifiers. 
You bobos, y'all hear me? Gentrifiers is not what God is calling for here. Why? Because we don't move or act based on our own power or on our history. No, on the contrary, we are and are called to be redeemers and restorers because we move and live and survive and are only because of the power and name and grace and work of the Lord in your life. Stop thinking of yourselves as gentrifiers. Even if you are gentry, stop thinking of yourself as urban cool. We just taking advantage of the low-priced cities. Time to re-engage and refocus your efforts and your work. You are a child of God. Christ saved you from the pit. He pulled your body up that were nothing but bones in his sight, and he gave you flesh and a heart and a new spirit. Stop living like the world and for the world's way. You are here to be a restorer of what God wants. It's time to re-engage your work and your sense of being and strength, whether you're uptown or around the town or outside the town. You are redemptors and reformers, re-editors of a harmful redaction and rhetoric. You are part of what God is doing. You know what I've been thinking? We need a new reformation. I'm glad Martin Luther and them did it back in the 1500s. Great! That was a long time ago. It's time to stop being held up on partisan and political mess. It's time to stop, you know, not talking and being honest about racial issues. It's time to stop that. We need a reformation based on the gospel of Jesus Christ, an ecumenical explosion where just because somebody baptizes somebody, if we believe the gospel at its core, there is so much work we could get done. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay reformed. I'm going to stay my Presbyterian belief. But I'm going to allow the gospel to drive what we do. It is ridiculous that the church has been hoodwinked and, and kidnapped. We lost, man. During this election season, I was, it's just ridiculous. We don't have an American flag in this church, and we never will. You can have one in your lawn. I've raised one during the 4th of July. But this church and what God's called us to do is bigger than the United States. It's an eternal situation. It's bigger than any political party. This United States will not last forever. It will end one day. It will end, as you see. No, it won't, because, you know, countries like Babylon and Rome, the greatest ever, they never ever ended. But we have technology. Oh, it's going to end quicker then. We'll all know when it ends faster because we all get a tweet. The United States is done. It's over, y'all. Pack it up. Move to Canada, Mexico, something. If you got money, get on the yacht. Go to France. Remember France was relevant in world issues and domination? Remember Napoleon? I mean, my Lord. People speaking French in places that French weren't supposed to be. People speak people speaking French and English and South Africa and Dutch and all. Why? Because one day those countries were big and strong. Here's the point. It's about restoration of God's eternal kingdom. My dad never left Charleston. He grew up there. You can show you the plantation our ancestors lived on. And on the white side. Yeah, that happened. Uh-huh. 
on the white side of our family. Yeah. French Huguenot, he can show you that too. He'd been to France, looked at the village we all came through. I think Calvin was our pastor once. I'd just like to brag about that. Yeah, John Calvin. Because, you know, I went to Presbyterian meeting once, and somebody came up to me, well, how did you get here? John Calvin told me to come over. And he was white, so I guess it was okay. Okay. Somebody white brought me over. John Calvin sent me over, or somebody put me in a boat and brought me over. I don't know. I'm here because somebody white brought me over. Okay. Don't feel ashamed. Nobody feel guilty. Okay. But anyway, back to the stuff. I don't veer it off. I'm going to get in trouble. And so on much of his tour, my dad tells about the sordid stories of the South, of slavery and racism, but also about the beauty of what was rebuilt. On part of the tour, he was sure your parking lot that used to be the parking lot of Bishop England High School. Nice parking lot. Nice black asphalt, beautiful, laid, and still lay on top of the bodies of black folk whose bodies were never exhumed because they can't find the grave markers. Oh, yeah, they can find them. I forgot. They are the stepping stones to the outhouses or backhouses of the rich homes. You know, like pavers. We turn them over, they're names of people. And for the tombstones that didn't make the careless trip, they're all over the place. And to this day, no rep- repentance, no recognition. But God has called my daddy to a place, a desolate place, to call out injustice and evil, but through his calling as a tour guide to restory the story. To be used by God to be a prophetic voice, to speak truth, and with it bring dignity to all that wants to be preserved and covered over. To call those dry, forgotten bones to new life as a descendant of the mistreated abused. To retell with sorrow and pride to bring new life and new vision to what was desolate and forgotten as a restored son of the broken south. Our Lord Jesus came as the son of man. As Ezekiel was called in the valley of dry bones. Our Lord Jesus came to our place south of his dwelling to our desolation and conviction, convicted and called out our sin and our diseased sense of community and then called with the powerful, life-giving, spirit-filling message of the gospel, called us out of the valley of death into the new life of his restoration. God is calling people, you, come from the south and some not, but you who are all in some way descendants of oppression or oppressors who are familiar and tied to heritage and personal histories of hate and sorrow, all kinds of abuse and sin and pain and rejection and being driven to success, to dying to be accepted. You who are descendants of slaves of sin and the spiritually impoverished and the descendants of the powerful and oppressive, you who are descendants of a race of shame and the race of pride, who were dry bones and desolate, in their sin. God has called you by the revolutionary power of his gospel, like he did those bones sprinkled by the cleansing blood of Jesus, and he has given you a new heart to be the revolutionary people of restoration through the power and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We live a restory. 
to bring restoration to all that has been broken. To bring redemption to all creation.